Amen. Testing, can you all hear me? So everyone's got an outline in front of them. I think we're going to go over quite an interesting topic. So a few weeks ago, we, know, we went over something called image. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And he said, and let them have dominion. And then he expressed where that dominion on earth that man would exercise. And so basically, we are going to unpack this matter of dominion. And it's quite an awesome topic. But we could see there's actually a prerequisite for man to have dominion over all the things of the earth. And that prerequisite is actually man having God's image. And so man is in the likeness of God. He has the attributes of God. But again, we talk, man is just an empty glove. And so when God comes into man as man's content, then man has God's image in reality. So when man is living God and expressing God through enjoying and experiencing God, what happens is man automatically and spontaneously has dominion to rule over many things. And so... I would like to unpack that. And just so you all know, we're going through a series of seeds. Genesis has a lot of things in their first mention. So they were sown. And so we're going to talk about these things and we're going to unpack them. And today is dominion. So basically the title is dominion, subduing the enemy, recovering the earth and exercising God's authority over the earth. You can take this home. There's some verses. Uh, I won't read them. They're for you to read and for you to study. Uh, they're very good. So I'm going to uh, just go down to the Roman numerals here. God created man to express him and to represent him by having dominion over all things. It is by man that God's plan is fulfilled and through man his own need is met. And so we could see that there is the title, the key topic is dominion. But I want you to focus on a key word that is used in this outline. And that key word is called intention. God has an intention. And it will actually come out many times. And so God can and has a power to do anything he wants. But when he created man, he gave that dominion to man himself. So you could say that man actually is in the position and given the capacity to a certain degree, to exercise God's dominion, and that is to fulfill his, his plan. And so you can see here that through man, actually God's own need is met. Now, we could all say that God doesn't have a need, but I'll use an example. So let's say I own a business, and the business has revenue, and my business is able through my ability to supply all my needs. I could buy a home, I could do many things. I could adopt children and provide a need for the children. But unless I have a wife, my need will not be met. So I may be self-sustaining, but there's still a need within me that something can meet. And that's only through something outside of me. And so that's a different topic that will come over. But in that is an example that we can see that God has a need and his need is through man. And the way it's exercised in this aspect is when God made man, he said, let them have dominion over the earth. So man is to rule as God rules. And so 
man is to rule over all things. This is our destiny. And God desires that man should rule. This is on his heart. This makes him happy. It is in him. And he desires that we would move forward in this. And it is clear that uh, man, when you look at man in an objective way, man can tame a tiger. He could tame a lion. I mean, even people get elephants to do tricks. I mean, if you could think of the biggest land animal in the world, we have elephants and they're able to do tricks. How powerful is man? Man can build skyscrapers that reach to the heavens. So this shows in a way, this shows in a way that man is able to rule upon the earth. But I'm not here to unpack this aspect of how man can do all of these natural things. What I'm here to show you is that God actually has a plan. So within this, all of us have heard of Lucifer, right? Lucifer, you could say, was the top angel, the angel of light. He led all of creation to worship God. But we know the verses, they're here. Please get into them. Within him, some pride welled up. And eventually he said, I will be like the Most High. He said, I will be like God. He wanted the position that God had. And he wanted the praise and the worship that God had. Why did God cast him to the earth with a third of the angels? Because when God made Satan, his realm of responsibility and authority was actually the earth. That's when Jesus was uh, being tempted after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Uh, Satan said, hey, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. Jesus never said, you're a liar, for you cannot do that. He didn't say that. He said, you shall only bow down and worship the Lord your God. So this shows that uh, Jesus didn't say you're a liar. He knew the fact that Satan could give him all the kingdoms. And we also know that in the Gospels, he said he came to cast down the ruler of this world. So he's the one who rules. But God, see, I want to read D right here in the Roman who run. God withdrew his authority from the enemy and put it into the hands of man so that man may rule in the place of Satan. So he was eventually Lucifer, then he became the adversary Satan, but he's ruling the earth. And so he has man here in the garden, and he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them have dominion. Now remember, if you read Isaiah and you read some stuff in Ezekiel, actually, who had the authority was the ruler of the sage, was Satan himself. So Satan's very mad. He hates man. Because man was given what Satan wanted. And that was the image of God, the likeness of God, and exercising the dominion of God. And so I want to unpack this. Maybe we could get the uh, sisters in here. Please read Roman numeral uh, 2. So we could beg to ask the question, why was man given dominion? Well, because he wants his enemy subdued. If you want to defeat a kingdom, you must defeat its king. The moment you take the king down, you take him, you subdue him, you defeat him, then all of the troops, they will give up. Because you took the king, you took the leader. So man's destiny, man's in 
God's intention with man is that man would subdue this rebellious angel. So I just praise God for this. I mean, it's not that we would just get saved. I mean, we should, we should preach the gospel. People need to be saved. People need to love the Lord Jesus. But we also have an enemy. And that enemy is something that God has put in our hands uh, to subdue. So in Genesis 1.26, we see a realm that uh, man was given dominion over. And that realm is the sea, the earth, and the air. And so man is to have dominions over the sea. Well, it's not that man is able to catch fish and train dolphins and killer whales. They could get to jump through hoops or whatever. That's too shallow of a destiny for man. Actually, there's a story in, in uh, Matthew chapter 8 here where Jesus casts out these demons and the demons didn't want to be cast out. They say, hey, why don't you send us into these hogs? If you send us into these hogs, basically, can you do that? I'm only paraphrasing. You've got to get into the verses. So what did Jesus do? Jesus cast them into the hogs. And does anyone know where those hogs went? They went into the sea. Why didn't they just run off to the woods? They went into the sea where they knew they were to die. I mean, pigs, they could swim a little bit, but off into a cliff, they're dead. Why would they do that? And if you read uh, parts in Revelation and other areas, you'll actually see that there's an abyss down there. And you can actually see that, that the sea is the lodging place of demons. And I want to make this clear. A demon is a disembodied spirit. It is not an angel. Demons, they, they roam the earth and they're in the sea. And if anyone's read Revelation, you have these abominable creatures that come out. These aren't fallen angels. Those are demons. And you can see that no matter how scary that demon is, no matter how frightening that demon is, when you have God's image, you have his dominion. And that demon will tremble at your feet. And you have authority in the name of Jesus to have dominion over that enemy. Right? That dominion can do nothing when you have God's image. This is the sea. But we have another aspect here is we have the air, right? Well, what is the air? In Ephesians, it talks about Satan as being the prince of the power of the air. And if you read about the armor um, in Ephesians 6, it mentions a lot more. But what resides in the air? The air is where the angels are. They are ruling and they have authority and they have power and they have a hierarchy. And they rule over nations. If you read the book of Daniel, you'll see that there is a prince that is over Persia. And even there was a battle with Michael the archangel. Not to get into too many details, I highly recommend to to read it. And we also consider these angels of power. They could powerful. They they appear as uh, as people. Uh, Sometimes it's like we're entertaining angels. And they can do mighty things, fearful things. They can control nations and influence poverty and so many things, tyranny, right? The power over nations. But when you have God's image, you rule over these fallen angels and they have no standing against you. This is the dominion that God has given to man. And then what do we see? 
we see the earth. The earth is where we have the activities of Satan and we have the activities of these demons and the fallen angels to usurp man, to take man into bondage and to destroy humanity. But there's one thing that is mentioned. In Genesis 1.26, he mentions these three different realms, but he says specifically, he says the creeping things. Does anyone know when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, he, he dealt with them, but he said to Satan, on your belly, you will go. Satan became a creeping thing. You know, he's not no red devil with this little pitchfork and some horns coming out of his head. He's a beautiful angel of light. And he, in a sense, can be fearful. But you have authority to rule over the highest angel that Satan has, or that God has made. Can you imagine that? You have this authority. I mean, I don't even know, have the language or the words or even the mental apprehension. I just exercise faith and say, God, this is in your word. I say, amen. I'm not going to look at my situation. I'm not going to look at my uh, helplessness or my inability to do anything. I focus on you. And then that is the true power of God exercised over all of these evil things. So, brothers, can we read? Uh, just turn the page over. Can you read uh, D, please? This is a very important matter. The way we must deal with Satan is in our daily lives. So we all know the armor of God in Ephesians 6, and I'm not here to talk about that. It's talked about all the time. But what I want to open up is this aspect in Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus was talking about he was going to go to the cross and he was to die there. And uh, I don't think Peter liked that very much. Peter loved the Lord. He had a heart for him. And he said, if everyone leaves you, I won't. And uh, well, he's saying that he will leave him. And we all know what happened is that when, he, when Peter rebuked uh, Jesus and said, far be it from you that you would go to the cross. Jesus looked at Peter and uh, does anyone know what uh, Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Why would he call Peter Satan? Right? Because at that moment, he was a channel for the enemy to be contrary to God's will. What if Jesus said, you know what, Peter, you're right. I love you too. I'm not going to go to the cross and die. Where would we be today? We wouldn't be here. Our destiny would be the lake of fire. All humanity would have no hope and there would be suffering. But Jesus knew he had to go. But Peter didn't realize it. He was one with Satan at that time against God's will. So that's why he said in Matthew 16, I'm not going to read the verses because they're all here. I want you to get into them. He said he actually charged him to set his mind on the things of God. But he said, you know, your mind is not on God, but he's saying you should set it on the things of God. And by setting our things on the mind above. And when we do that, we are looking away unto God's will. Even though everything may bleak, everything may not be according to our preference, we look away. We look to God. We set our mind on His will. We set our mind on what God, God wants to do. But even more so, uh, D is a very good one. We set our mind on the Spirit. The best way 
to set our mind on the things of God is by turning our heart to the Lord. And the best way to turn our heart to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, I do not want you to go to the cross and die, but Lord, this is your way. This is your administration. You must die on the cross for the sins of many. If Peter were to pray in this way, Jesus would not have to call him Satan. So in our daily lives, God may be doing something. We may not prefer it. We may not like it. We may fight against him, but we could set our mind on the things above, above defeating the enemy. We could set our mind on the spirit, defeating the enemy. And he said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And he said, lose your soul life. So I know this is not a happy, fluffy message, but it must be spoken. Sometimes we don't like God's will. Sometimes we don't like what God is doing. Sometimes it's in the face of suffering, but we must turn our hearts to the Lord, set our mind on the things above, and take up our cross and follow after Him. And what this does, it, it actually deals with our nature that is contrary to God. And what it does is it causes us to have His image. When we pray in such a way, God's image is in us, and we express Him, we begin to live Him, and then what happens? We magnify Him. All of these things are in the kingdom of darkness. They're under the authority of darkness. But when we're one with Jesus, what happens? We are like a light that shines in that darkness. So these demons, these fallen angels, even Satan himself has to flee from that light. This is dominion. I don't know if you're all liking this, but I sure like this position that God has given me that I could rule over all of the things that are seen and all of the things that are unseen. But I have to say this, individually, it is impossible. Individually, we get the thoughts, we get discouraged, we get almost, we feel like we're just beaten by the world. But together, we could bear the armor of God. Together, we can encourage one another. When we're out on campus and we see everything that's going on, you have all the lust of the flesh and you have all of the enjoyments and the shiny things of this age. And, and you know, deep within you, you're like, oh, I shouldn't take that way. I, I know I shouldn't do that or go and participate in this activity or whatever it is. If you are by yourself, you will do it. If you have a weak will. Some have a strong will and they're able to last a certain amount of time, but they just may end up becoming religious and judgmental towards others. But it's actually in our humility and the realizing of our weakness that we could stand with one another. And when we stand with one another, we can encourage one another. And then that is how together we bear God's image as the body of Christ. Sisters, can you read Roman numeral three? You do not have to look far, right? To see how evil this age is. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. It's evil. I don't care what country you came from, what part of South Carolina or the United States you came from. Whatever your consideration is, you look and you realize this age is evil. And it is against God and it is against the things of God. So what does God want to do? He wants to recover the earth. I'm going to give you an illustration. So we have this table here, right? That, that table is the world. So 
you know, uh, Lorenzo's out there and he's preaching the gospel. Daniel's out there. They're praying. And who are they praying? They're praying for you. You would be saved. And so right here, God has possessed the earth here. But then he preaches the gospel to you. What happens? You get saved, right? God has possessed more of the earth. And then you preach the gospel to Ogi. Ogi gets saved. What happens? He possesses more of the earth. And then what happens? You gather together as a church in that area. Then you could say that God has a beachhead. You guys know when they have war, you got to go and you're invading a territory. What do you have to do? Establish a beachhead. Once you establish a beachhead, you have taken some of that land. And so God said, I want the earth back. Satan, I gave it to him, but he, Lucifer, I gave it to him. He became Satan. He caused the whole earth in rebellion, and I want it back. God could just snap his fingers, it's done. But that doesn't show how wise and awesome he is. So what he does, he creates man. He creates man. Man is what? Weaker than the demons. Man is weaker than the fallen angels, and he's definitely weaker than Satan. But then when man receives and takes God as life, what happens? God becomes his power. God becomes his ability and his strength. And then when you take that man and you bring him together with us, when I say men, I mean men and women. I just have to make that clear. When God takes a person and they're together and they're praying with authority, they will bind that enemy. And that enemy has to flee from that. This is, your, this is God's intention with you, brother. This is your destiny to rule. And actually God will use you to take back the earth that Satan took from God himself. And so you can actually see that whoever possesses the earth in the end wins. Whoever gains the earth in the, win, in the end wins. So God needs a people. He has an intention and he's actually calling us to come forward. But uh, sisters, can you read E under Roman numeral 3? So this is important. So God wants to gain us first. He cannot gain the earth unless he gains man. And the way he gains man is when someone believes in the Lord, God as life comes into him. And there's a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, is he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. God comes into spirit and then the spirit witnesses. With our spirit, we are children of God. God comes in as life, but we need to grow in him. And our growing is actually His spreading in us. And you can say, when we believed in the Lord, we were born again or regenerated. God as a seed was planted into us. And our heart is actually in the Bible typified by soil. It is typified by soil and the seed, which is the kingdom. The word of God is sown in our heart. And when that word, that seed is watered, it is provided uh, it's provided water, it's provided food, and it's provided light through the right environment. We all know what would happen. Um, I don't have a green thumb. Anything I plant dies. I've tried it. I do a better chance working with animals and people. But there is the principle. If you have the right nutrition and you have the right environment, it will grow. Nutrition is water. It is food. And the environment is the soil with the, uh, with the sun. And that will cause the plant to grow. So the seed that has been sown into us, right, is the kingdom of God through the word of God. But in Jeremiah 17:9, our heart is deceitful above all things and therefore is incurable. 
But the moment that seed of life comes into us, our heart is made new. He gives us a new heart, a heart not of stone, but of flesh. It is alive. It is, it is full of compassion and consideration for the things of God, even for the people of God. Even we become less uh, considerate of ourselves and more considerate of others. So, so uh, for, uh, this is actually for us to have the image. When that seed grows, it increases, then the image is there. So, uh, brothers... Read Roman numeral four, please. God has an intention in giving man dominion over the earth. So uh, this is just kind of uh, bringing it home. Here's that word intention. God intends that you would have dominion over the earth. God has full power to do anything he wants, but he chose to limit himself to you, Reese. God can only go as far as we go with him. Because this was his decision. This was his choice. Now, dominion is actually God exercising his authority over the earth. This is actually what the definition of dominion is. And that's actually so that the will of God may be done on the earth. You know, we all know this prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. As in heaven, so also on earth. There's no problem in heaven. In heaven, things are fine. God's will is being done there. But the problem is here on the earth. So when we pray in authority, God, who has dominion, is exercised through us. And when that is exercised, we have God's dominion over all of these things. Demons, fallen angels, Satan himself. And then that is actually God's kingdom exercised on earth. Uh, actually, and then that's what brings in God's glory. God is expressed on earth. You know, glory is not I make a touchdown and I say, oh, glory to God. Really, that's a glory to myself because I made the touchdown. You know, real glory is the shining of the divine light out of the constitution of God in us. And it is expressed because it's who we are and what we do. Brothers, can you read Roman numeral five? So Adam failed God. Adam was given this dominion. He was given to rule. But we all know he ate of the tree. He fell. So the second Adam, which was Christ, right? The first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. So we have been joined to that second man. And that second man, who is Christ, has a body. And that body is us as many members in this body. And what is this body? It is the corporate one new man. As the corporate one new man, together we can bear the armor of God. And together we could actually exercise God's authority to rule over all these things. So I want to share with all you guys before I close it up here. You've been given God's dominion. You've been given God's authority. But as we grow in Him, uh, and we fellowship with other believers, we find communion, then what happens is we see God beginning to rule in our daily lives. When Satan comes to steal your joy, he can't take it. When Satan comes to give you anxiety, he can't take it. Because we stand with one another. So that's why God said, let us 
who is the triune God, make man singular in our image and our likeness. But he says this, let them have dominion. So our dominion is not by ourselves. It is together and it is with God.